So, hello guys, welcome to episode four of the TaylorMade podcast. Uh, Fionn here and Gavin. Um, so, just before we get started, I want to say a big massive thank you to Paul, who got us up with some of the tech stuff uh, this week, got us on Spotify and a few other apps. Very good. So, thanks to having thanks, on our team, Paul. Paul. Um, so, today, guys, we're going to answer a couple of questions that we keep getting. Um, so, Gav, why don't you start off? Yeah, super. We're actually a little bit more structured this week. We actually have some pointers written down. So Advancements. So, yeah. hopefully, yeah, we're getting better. Hopefully, uh, we'll stay on track a little bit more than we have in the previous podcast. Um, we have two topics that we want to discuss today. The first one is going to be compound versus isolation movements. And the second one is, will you get bulky from strength training? A particular question that's often asked. Uh, by some of the female population. We get that a lot, Definitely. more so from the females than the, than the Definitely, yeah. Um, first, first topic, so uh, compound versus isolation movements. Uh, Fionn, could you give us maybe some definitions to start with? What, what, what is yeah. a compound movement? So just for people who don't know, a compound movement, guys, is any movement that includes more than one joint. So something like a squat, a deadlift, a bench press. So for example, your bench press would include your, your elbow joint and your shoulder joint. So anything that has one or more joints, that's a compound movement. So it's gonna use quite a lot of musculature. Uh, your isolation movements then is a movement that just has one joint moving. So something like a bicep curl, it's just your elbow joint, or a tricep extension, or something like a calf raise where it's only your ankle joint moving. So they're the difference between a compound and an isolation movement. Yeah, cool. Um, most of the guys here at TaylorMade um, kind of are very familiar with those movements. That's kind of our bread and butter in here, compound movements, squats, deadlifts, rows, bench press stuff like that. Yep. We don't do too much isolation work, but th there is a little bit of a trend starting off. Fionn kind of started a trend there with some bicep curls and tricep extensions. Oh, yeah. uh, why is that, Fionn? Why, why are we doing those movements? Uh, <laughs> so, the reason why we mostly focus on compound movements, guys, like I actually quite like some isolation movements, but we have, we'll say, general population in here, and so we only have them for an hour. So, like, to get the biggest bang for your buck, you're gonna do mostly compound movements because they use way more muscle groups, you're going to get much more of a stimulus, you're going to use more energy, you're going to burn more calories. So to get the best bang for your buck, definitely compound movements. Uh, I do like to throw in a bit of isolation just for, you know, so, just some targeting specific muscles that maybe don't get targeted specifically with compounds, but definitely bread and butter, like you said, Gavin, yeah. compound movements. Yeah, cool. No harm throwing in the extra arm work either. We have Gavin doing a few, um, <laughs> Doing a few hypertrophy calf sets in here. C converted, converted. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, cool. Um, so the last part in of that is, what is some of the extra merit of isolation movements over compound movements? Why, is there some instances where they'd be better or? Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say better. Mm. Like you, can, you can argue both cases. Definitely me and you, we, we both agree that compound movements should be the bread and butter of things. Where you would add in isolation movements would be only like if you had a specific, specific goal, like if you were maybe an aesthetic athlete or a bodybuilder type who needed more, you know, chest isolation. But for general population athletes, like you don't really need isolation unless, you know, you're looking for more vanity, like big arms or big calves. Yeah, stuff. something like that. Or as well as that, you know, maybe from an injury point of view, like something like a face pull, although it does involve two joints, mm. it's probably not seen massively as a compound movement. It's more of an accessory, but movements like that, like a face pull on a cable machine, I think are really, really effective for shoulder health, you know, all of the above. So I would say if you're looking at building a program or even for S&C coaches out there, you already know, but we definitely build our program off of mostly compound movements. And then we would probably use isolation just thrown in to kind of fix some different things are, if necessary, what would you think? Cool. Yeah, so I think just from what Fionn said there, uh, the take home point, point from that 
would be to focus the bulk of your training program on your compound movements and then at the end if you want to throw in an extra little bit of work to get uh, muscle in a specific area like your bicep or your calves or whatever it is throw maybe so in a little bit of this you have you have slash machines, you have yeah. slash machines. Yeah, yeah, slash machines. Um, so yeah, I think throwing in a little bit of isolation work at the end of your workout uh, for a specific area that you want to get a little bit bigger. Um, if you want to ask me there to maybe bring attention to machines. Here's so, the question for you. Right. This, this, this is, is on the structure now, so God so, only knows what it's going to be. Lots of guys, and actually I spoke to a guy during the week, leg press. Leg press. Leg press. So a leg press is obviously a compound movement for your lower body done in the machine. Where would you be in your kind of thoughts, I suppose, leg press or a squat? Or would you even see any merit in a leg press? Not that I don't see merit in it, but I think if the main, if somebody doesn't, we'll say all things equal, the person doesn't have injuries, the person can move quite well. And I think if they're looking for an exercise to develop muscle or strength or get maybe a little bit more athletic, whatever it is, I think the squat is a much better, a squatting squat variation, goblet squat, front squat, back squat, is a much better variation to choose over leg press. I often see people in gyms um, over the years where they actually focus their leg training on a leg press as opposed to a squat. Instead of learning how to do a squat, do it properly and get strong on it. I, I actually think that's a good point because I spoke to a couple of people over the last ages and the reason why they don't squat and they use a leg press instead is because when they squat, they get sore knees or a sore back. Yeah. Well, that kind of sets it off. If they were, if they don't usually have sore knees or sore back, and all of a sudden they're squatting and they're getting sore knees and sore back, then there's something going on wrong there with the movements that they actually need to rectify. And by doing a leg press, is not going to rectify that problem. Um, so I, think, I know your your background, Fionn's background is physical therapy. Um, so I think there's. Probably some sort of movement that they need to rectify. Yeah, I, I used to do this myself. Uh, you know, you get a little niggle and you'd, you'd stop doing an exercise. Uh, but I think what people definitely need to do is address their mobility restrictions yeah. and even their movement quality. Um, generally speaking, some form, form or variation of a squat, you should definitely work towards. Like we get people in here who are maybe quite elderly, they have different issues going on with their knees. But we, we start them off with like maybe a high box squat, body weight squat, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then over time we will try to progress them to be able to do a full body weight squat. Oh, 100%. Um, I don't think the bailout should be made of like, like, At the end of the day, like, we, we squat in everyday life. I mean, we get up, like, get up and down on a chair to do that properly. I need to have squatting ability. If I don't, if I'm doing this and I'm, and, and I'm struggling, like, that's what's going to hurt my knee joint when I'm an old man. So I may as well learn how to squat now and be able to, you know, be at least somewhat strong enough and be able to do it efficiently without hurting my joints. Because if I can't do it now, what hope do I have when I'm 60, yeah. 70 years of age? I'll be immobile, I'll be hardly able to move. Now there is merits to using leg presses and, and different types of machines, but like you said, definitely the, the bulk of it should be oh, learning how to move yeah, correctly. Yeah, yeah. Now, like, to be honest, I'm going a little bit off track here, we're supposed to be sticking to structure, but when we're, when we're doing these movements, these compound movements like our squatting, uh, like our deadlifting, these movements, they just teach us how to perform things properly in everyday life. I mean, a deadlift teaches us how to pick things up off the ground properly. A squat teaches us how to get up and down properly. You know, push, pull, all these movements. We use all these movements in everyday life, so we may as well learn how to use them with good technique instead of depending all of our program on machines. Because like, at the end of the day, the machines do most of the work for us. They stabilize us into position, so we don't use our core half as much. I'm not against machines or anything. There is merit for machines, absolutely. Some cases, you know, injuries might dictate that the person might use a machine for particular exercise, or as Fiona was saying, some extra 
uh, muscle building work at the end of your session. But I think being able to do uh, most of the compound movements or squatting or deadlifting, you know, it is essential. And I know there is injuries and times where, you know, some of those variations, and particularly doing them heavy, may not be viable, but we should be working towards trying to be able to do these movements. Because if we can't, then we're going to be held back in everyday life, particularly yeah. as we age. Uh, that's a good point. So just to wrap up that point, guys, the question kind of was, you know, co compound versus isolation movements. What's better? Where would you use the other? Uh, where would you use isolation? Where would you use compound? So just to wrap up what Gavin said, your focus should definitely be, you know, towards using compound movements. And if you find certain movements like squats aggravate your knees and whatnot, you should definitely try to address the issues so that you can move correctly over time. One hundred percent. So yeah, we're definitely all for compound movements. Not I, against machines. I think as well. Just just on machine, and I'm not saying this is everyone because. Like, there is merit for machines, we kind of touched on that. But I think you asked me earlier there, Fiona, about, you know, using a leg press over a squat. I see a lot of, um, like, 14, 15-year-olds putting up Instagram things off on the gym. With loads of weight. With loads of weight on a leg press. And they're like, they're that's moving it like that much. That's such an ego like, thing. And I, I see, to be honest, I see it with squats as well. I seen a young fella put up a video of the squat the other day. And he, like, it was nearly an eighth of a squat. A half squat. And, and like, he'd serious weight on him. Fair play to him, he's pretty strong. But like that's pure ego lifting. It's it's not going to progress us. I mean, what's the point of just you know doing it for our ego? We may as well do it to get better. Yeah. Um, so I think whatever else, don't pick a leg press over a squat just because it allows your ego to lift heavier weight. Very good point, Gav. Uh, brilliant. Will we move on to the next? We'll move on to the next one. So Gav, this is one um, Jean actually asked us, and we get this loads. So does strength training make women bulky? Um, short answer, I'm going to say no, okay. um, but uh, we have a little note there on, uh, people laugh at this because I talk about this a lot in TaylorMade, uh, toning versus building muscle. Um, so when people come in I ask them what their goals are, if people, if, if, a, if a lady wants to get a little bit more toned as they call it, they'll say to me, oh, I, I, I just want to tone up. But if a man comes in, he'll never say tone up, he'll say, ah, I want to build some muscle. So if a, woman, if a lady comes in, I'll be 100% honest, I will say to them, this, this is what we do, we focus a lot on strength and condition based movements, movements we use in everyday life, squats, bench, deadlift, stuff like this. Uh, these movements are the most appropriate movements for helping you tone up. And if Just man, on that as well, yeah, like toning is really, if you think about what they're looking for, right? Toning means that they want definition. So it's, it's really just decreasing your body fat, and keeping a muscle the same or increasing a muscle tissue, that's yeah. all it is. So really it is the same thing, it yeah. is building muscle. Uh, but but sometimes if you say building muscle... Um, it sounds scary. It sounds scary to, to, to the female population, some of them, not all of them. But then if you say toning to a man, he feels like, I don't know, like his yeah. goals are more, you know, a little so bit feminine. Just, but it's the same thing, toning and building muscle, it really is. <laughs> he's off now, he's off. So just, yeah, the differences between men and women when it comes to muscle building. Um, so like women are afraid of getting bulky, but like they don't actually, you know, we might delve into why women don't gain as much muscle as men or as fast as men. Oh, 100%. So all things equal, if I give a program to person A who's a female and person B, who's a male. Um, person B, the male, will gain a lot more muscle, all things equal, will gain a lot more muscle than the female. Uh, males possess the hormone testosterone, which women don't have much of. And as much. That, as much of. And that hormone, having such a large quantity of that hormone, 
um, is one of the contributing factors as to why males actually gain a lot more muscle than women. Um, so women will never, they'll never just get bulky um, unless they're, you know, if they're taking steroids or something like that. <laughs> That's a topic for another day. But if we we'll delve into that, we'll one, delve into that one today. Uh, but unless they're doing something like that, they're not going to get bulky. It's, it's, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, um, I would agree, Gav. Um, and even for men who, like, even for men, like, it's so hard for a natural male lifter to gain significant muscle fast. Like, the muscle comes on so slow. Even when your nutrition is on point, your training is, is on point, sleep is on point. Like, muscle doesn't come on fast even on a man. Yeah. And it's even slower on a female. So, like, afraid of, of getting bulky, like, shouldn't even be a concern. No. And I, I, I just, just on that, like, if, if it was that easy, you know, I think every, nearly every fella would be absolutely, wouldn't be able to walk to the door. They'd have so much muscle. That would be the, the reality. They'd have big biceps like Fionda. <laughs> like calves, like, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that leads us on to that second part, Gav. Um, what does it actually take to come bulky? Yeah, like, so, it takes a lot like, of time. It takes, you know, nutrition has to be on point. Um, you know, there's, there's phases where people have to be in a calorie surplus where they're, they're eating more food uh, than, what they're, than what's needed to maintain their body weight. So they're eating a lot of food. Um, you know, it, it takes years of strenuous progressive overload, which we were talking about uh, maybe two podcasts ago, which means that they're constantly pushing to place more demands on the body um, over time. Uh, so it, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, that's for males as well. That's actually a good, like, a good point as well. Like, what a lot of people don't realise is, like, if, if you, which we might have into one of the days, is the use of anabolic steroids in, you know, the fitness industry, etc. Like, if you have somebody who's a genuine natural lifter and is in great shape, like, it takes them years. Oh, it takes years. Like, you're looking at five plus yeah. years but, but to the even good get news, into decent, decent shape. 100%. But the good news on it is that the people that build themselves up naturally, let's say if they have an injury for six months or a year, or I know they have a baby or whatever it is, and they, st they stop doing strength training for a long period of time, they'll regain that strength and regain that muscle a lot faster than if they built that uh, artificially with, you know, if they built it with steroids. Um, because if they go on steroids, you know, they get strong, build muscle really, really quick, but then when they come off the steroids, they, they also lose that strength and lose that muscle quite quick as well. We're no experts on that topic, um, but it's good to know some of that basic information. Yep. Um, yeah, so will we wrap it up? Yeah, so yeah, just to wrap up there, guys, um, again, if you have any questions or any topics you'd like to discuss, you know, please pop a message into the page or reply to our Instagram story. Um, we're, we're still learning, uh, but hopefully we're getting better at these podcasts. Um, so that's, that's all for today, guys. Thanks very much. I, I, I think we're done, Fionn. Yeah, yeah. I'll press stop now when we're done. <laughs> we can edit that bit out now. <laughs>